Alright, 1 Corinthians chapter 4. Paul's first letter to the Corinthians chapter 4. A couple of fairly famous verses in Christian circles. 1 Corinthians 4 verse 1. Let a man so account of us as of the ministers of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. Moreover, it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. Now, so Paul is the apostle of the Gentiles, and some people call him the spokesman for the church age, and he wrote uh, more of the New Testament, I think, than anybody else. And, um, an important character, and yet, when he is asked, what should you think of me? He says, a minister of Christ. You know what a minister is? It's a servant. And a steward of some things. There are some things he's been entrusted with to take care of. He didn't author them. He didn't create them. He just, somebody else provided them and he takes care of them. Then he says something here. In verse 2 he says, moreover it is, look at that word, required. If there is one thing that uh, this generation does not want, they do not any, want anything required. Amen. They don't want anything expected. They want to be completely free and do only what they want to. Now, I will admit that there are people who expect too much from us. I'll give you that. There are people that just expect more and more and more, and no matter how much you do, it's never enough. And that does get tiring. But we have overcorrected from that. Oh, yes. And we live in a day where you're not allowed to require or expect anything. Even things that for all of history were understood, such as the permanence of marriage, for example. Such as being honest in your dealings. Such as showing up so that you can be counted on in things. All those things that... It was understood you, you can't even have a society without those things. You can't even have an organization without those things. We've taken all the requirements off. It's all what you feel like. And it's everybody's job to just make things fun for you. Or you just go home and relax and do whatever. But the Bible does have requirements. They are the Ten Commandments, not the Ten Suggestions. And if you've been saved by the Lord Jesus Christ, He expects you to live for Him. And if you've decided that you want to minister for Him, there's some things He's going to want from you. And if you've been entrusted with some things, He's going to expect you to take care of them. So let's talk about ministers and stewards. Dear Heavenly Father, I pray that you enlighten us and stir us up a little bit, Lord, to do some things for you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. I want to say that Christians in general, and preachers especially, must be faithful stewards of God's mysteries. Now I looked up the word steward, and there are several definitions for it. Uh, one is that it's one who manages another's property, finances, or other affairs. Uh, the Lord's given us some things, especially preachers, but all Christians to a large extent, in which uh, we ought to manage some of these things. 
He's given us the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, that Jesus died on the cross and shed his blood for our sins and was buried and rose again the third day, all according to the scriptures. And we ought to do something with that. We ought to support some missionaries that's out preaching it. We ought to hand out some gospel tracts that's got it on it. We ought to be a good witness and testimony so that we can share it as we have opportunity. We ought to encourage Bible-believing churches that are preaching that gospel. There's some things we ought to do with it. A second definition is one who is in charge of the household fair, affairs of a large estate, club, hotel, or resort. The person that oversees all those affairs, looks after their interests, as some people might say it, is the steward. Another definition is a ship's officer who is in charge of the provisions and dining arrangements. It gets pretty important on board ship, I'm sure. Dad can probably tell us because he's in the Navy. If uh, you have uh, food and drink for the sailors, uh, that's real crucial. I remember when I was working in the construction uh, field out there on Robbins Air Force Base, they'd come by with all this food, and they called it the morale department. Your soldier's morale is going to go way down <laughs> if uh, things aren't taken care of. And some things ought to be taken care of in the Lord's work. Uh, another definition is uh, an attendant on a ship or an airplane or an official who supervises or helps to manage an event. Now, uh, our text is this famous stewardship text, and it's often referred to in reference to money or time or talents, but the context is actually speaking of the mysteries of which we're supposed to be faithful stewards. That's a good idea to take care of money and time and some of your talents, take care of them and use them for the Lord. Don't just let them sit. By the way, there are plenty of people that are just sitting and now will be doing something for God. But really and truly, this uh, context is talking about the mysteries of God. It says very clearly in verse 1, stewards of the mysteries of God. Now, poor sinners need to understand some of the mysteries that God has entrusted to us so they might get saved. New Christians need to understand some of them so they might grow in grace and the knowledge of the Lord. If you don't know some of the mysteries that we're going to touch on tonight, you won't grow in the knowledge of God. There will be some things you'll have no idea about. There are people that call themselves Christians and have no clue what's in this Bible. Now, don't get me wrong, it's a big book. We can't be experts on everything in there. I certainly don't consider myself that at all. But when you have no idea that God created the earth, something's wrong. When you have no idea that God gave commandments in the Old Testament, somebody had, you hadn't been looking into it very much. When you have no idea that the Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of God, came down in human flesh and showed up on this earth as a person and then died on the cross... Uh, to wash our sins away and then was buried and then rose again the third day, there's a problem. And if you don't know that he's coming back to set up his kingdom, the great day on God, the Father's calendar, there's something missing. Amen. So there's some things in this Bible you need to know, even though we don't consider ourselves experts on it. Uh, mature Christians, even those of us that have been saved a long time, need to review the mysteries of God to retain our appreciation for the grace and work of God, because we often forget. The reason we ought to read our Bible every day, and the reason we ought to be in church every time the doors are open, and the reason we ought to hang out with Christians and listen to Christian 
music and teaching and preaching and keep our, keep these things fresh in our mind is we forget them. Yes, amen. I've often said some of the worst mistakes in my life was stuff I knew oh, yeah. not to do. Yes. But it had been, you know, a year or two since I thought anything about that. <laughs> and I messed up doing something that I knew better than to do, but I just hadn't kept it fresh. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. We need to appreciate the grace and the work of God. Now, in the time of Paul's writing, a steward was pretty much exclusively one who managed the affairs of a household. Now, we're in a household of faith, aren't we? There's some things we ought to be looking after. Uh, in a family. And uh, we're in a family that has some parts in heaven and in earth, don't we? Aren't there some people that trusted the Lord as their Savior and they're already up there in heaven waiting for us? Their songs of sweetest praise drift back from heaven's shore and I can't feel at home in this world anymore. Let me tell you something. Every time I watch the news, I feel less at home. Yes. Oh, yes. Every time it's getting for you, about every time I go and order a burger or a chicken sandwich, I feel less at home in this oh, yeah. world. I... I'm having a hard time understanding where everybody's coming from in our day. It is so different from what I'm used to. It is so different from what I used to see on TV. Have you ever looked at some of the old situation comedies and the old TV shows that our parents grew up with and then compare that to what you're seeing out in the world today? It's not the same country. No. Things are changing. Now, thank God, somebody that managed the affairs for a household or a family or a rich Lord, and we have a rich Lord, don't we, was a steward. Now, I want to ask you this, Christian. How faithful have you been taking care of his affairs down here? All right, uh, so I've just got two points here today. The office of a steward or minister and the subject that they work for. All right, the office of a steward or minister. Um, I looked up that word minister to make sure I understood it. Minister means one authorized to perform religious functions in a Christian church, especially a Protestant church. Or secondly, a high officer of state appointed to be a head, an executive or administrative department of government. For example, the prime minister. He's the one that serves the people. Isn't that an interesting use of that word. An authorized diplomatic representative of a government, usually ranking next below an ambassador, or a person serving as an agent for another by carrying out specified orders or functions. There are some things that we could have never done. We couldn't die for anybody else's sins, could we? The only thing we can do is die for our own. So we couldn't have been the one to die, but I'll tell you what we can do. We can spread the word yes. that Jesus died for. Tell the poor wanderer a savior has died. That's the office of a steward. Or the verb minister means to attend to the wants and needs of others. God help us not to sit around thinking what we want to do all day. Yeah. Again, I know there are those that never want you to do anything you want to do. But that's not the error of our day. The error of our day is, 
All we ever think about is this the most comfortable chair? Is this the most comfortable couch? Am I hot? Am I cold? Do people notice me? Do they love me? Do they pay attention to me? Am I watching something that's keeping me stimulated and entertained right now, this minute? Or can I find something else and just scroll to the next thing and listen to the next song and go to the next event or ball game or concert or venue or whatever? Me, 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 I, am I having fun? Am I happy? Am I Let me tell you how to get all those things. Get busy doing what God put you on this planet to yes. do. And there is fulfillment and there is joy and there is peace that comes with that that you never find looking for just happiness. As Bob Jones Sr. famously said, you don't find happiness looking for it. You stumble across it on the road of duty. That's what he said, amen. You don't find it in the therapist's office. You don't find it in a pill bottle. You stumble across it on the road of duty. Amen. Get busy doing your duty. And there will be rest time, and there will be vacation time, and there will be fun time, and I'm for all of those things. But be doing your duty too. All right? Uh, so let's talk about this office of a steward or minister. The first thing I want to notice is it is a subordinate office. You're under somebody. It doesn't say, let a man so account of us as of the lords of Christ and the masters of the mysteries of God. You're not lord or master. You're steward or minister. You are under someone else. One thing that uh, young people do need to understand is that you are under authority no matter where you go. Yes. Many times a young person is going to get out from under their parents. Then they don't like the job, so they want to get out from under that boss. And then they don't like the next job, and so they want to get out from under that boss. And then the next one. And then the next one. And they don't like the landlord, so they want to get somewhere else. All you're ever going to do is just go find another authority that has an aggravating point in some other point different than the one that you just got out from under. That's very true. The prodigal son got out from the father, didn't he? And he got over there and got under somebody that didn't care a thing about him. And all of a sudden, daddy's house looked real good. <laughs> now, don't be trying to get out from under authority. Just learn to submit to authority. Amen. It's a subordinate office. Be okay with being under authority. Secondly, it is an appointed office. It's not a self-assuming one. Let somebody appoint you to what you need to be doing. I didn't decide one day I was going to be called to preach. The Lord told me to preach. And God's people bore witness and said, well, amen, it does seem that the Lord has called him. And they started blessing me and they started helping me and they started giving me opportunities. I didn't just on my own put up a shingle and say, Bob Schoolfield, preacher. Uh, be sure that you're appointed to whatever it is that you're going to do. And certainly in stewards and ministers of God. Paul often referred to his calling at the very beginning of his epistles. He didn't just say, well, I'm the tallest, best-looking apostle around here. So you listen to me. I'm the one that's got the most education. I've got the most followers. Listen, there were times he was in jail and there wasn't anybody around that recognized him. And he was thankful for somebody that diligently sought him out to be a blessing to him and to bring him some stuff in that jail. It was God that appointed him to it. 
It is an appointed office. But, as, as important as that is to remember what a humble thing it is to serve God, let me say this quickly. It is an exalted office. You are not taking a low position when you go to work for God. Now, it needs to be a humble position, but it's an important responsibility. Amen. There's privilege to it. There's blessing to it as well as the responsibility. 2 Corinthians 5.20 says this, Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God did beseech you by us. We pray you in Christ's stead, be ye reconciled to God. So he's an ambassador for Christ. Now, if we were an ambassador for the President of the United States, we'd think, man, we got a pretty good position. You're an ambassador for Jesus Christ. Yes. Goodness gracious. We pray you in Christ's stead, be ye reconciled to God. I mean, he has the authority of Jesus Christ behind what he's begging them to do. Uh, not just anybody can do that. Verse 21, For he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. We then, as workers together with him, beseech you also that you receive not the grace of God in vain. Look at that. Workers together with him. When you're taking care of God's mysteries, you are working right alongside of Jesus Christ. You know how they say if you hang out with certain people, it really helps your reputation go up because you know, you're yeah. connected to them? You tell me somebody better to be connected to than the Lord Jesus Christ. Wow, you talk about helping your reputation. And you know what ministers and stewards do? They help the Lord Jesus Christ when they fulfill this role. It's a subordinate office. You are under authority. It's an appointed office. You can't just take it on yourself. It's an exalted office because you're working with the Lord Jesus. And it's a responsible office. You're responsible for the talents that he's furnished you. You're responsible for the time and the opportunities he has entrusted you. You're responsible for the faithfulness to the interests of your Lord. The rightful discharge of your duties. In a Christian's case, love for Christ and his people. Now, what if they do you wrong? You've got a job that's a little bit more important than your personal squabbles. And being an ambassador for Jesus Christ is a bigger deal than, well, they said this to me, so I said that right back, and I told them. Your job is bigger than that. Well, I... I thought that cost ended up costing me too much the way they did that, so I figured out a way to make this cost them some, and that's just personal stuff. Your job is a bigger deal than that. Don't let personal stuff fall into your role as a minister or steward for things that God Almighty has entrusted you. What an awful responsibility this is. We sometimes in business talk about somebody doing something that's good for the business that maybe isn't exactly what they want to do and we'll jokingly laugh about it and say, yeah, he had to take one for the team. How much more should we be willing to take one for the team when the team has sacrificed like they have in these pictures on the wall for us? Or way bigger than that, as the Lord Jesus Christ did on that cross for us. What if it does cost us some 
What if somebody gets us and we're not able to get them back? How in the world does that matter? Don't, uh, by the way, don't worry. God is up there keeping track and he'll do a better Amen. job of getting them back than you ever could anyway. So if you even do want to worry about that petty stuff, he's got it. But secondly, you've got something more important going than that. You, let's be sure that we are faithful to God in this role as a minister, serving others, or steward, taking care of his stuff. And as you know, his stuff is all found right here. As Martin Luther said, sola scriptura, only scripture. If it's not in the scripture, hmm. It's questionable at best. All right, so that's the office of a minister or steward. Now let's look at the subject. Let's look at what we're laboring about very technically and very specifically. All right, the great subject of our labor, 1 Corinthians chapter 4, let a man so account of us as of the ministers of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. So who is our Lord? Who is our authority in this job? Right? It's the Lord God. It's the creator of heaven and earth. It's the God of the Old Testament law. It's the Lord Jesus Christ of the New Testament gospel. It's the Lord who will come back and be king of kings and lord of lords and set up his kingdom one of these days. That's our Lord. That's our boss. That's who we work for. What an elevated position. I don't care if we are doing a small thing. If we're doing it for Him, that is a tremendous thing. God help us to grasp what a wonderful privilege and honor and responsibility it is to work for the God of heaven and the universe and eternity. What a wonderful thing. The subject of our labor is the Lord as our boss. Secondly, the people. It says, let a man so account of us as of the ministers of Christ. A minister is somebody that serves others. Let me be your minister. God loved this world so much that he gave his only begotten son. Whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. If you have a chance to minister to them, you're ministering to some people that God care a lot about. Then, let's think about the saved people that trusted the Lord Jesus as their Savior. Don't you know the Lord loves them? Here are the people. He offered the lifeblood of His Son, and when, unfortunately and sadly, so much of the world ignores that, doesn't care anything about it, there is a group of people that appreciated it and loved it. If somebody loves one of your children, don't you love them? Yeah. If, God forbid, you lose one of your children, don't you know some of the dearest, most precious people to you will be some of the people that loved your child just like you did? Yes. God the Father gave His Son. And there is a group of people that love Him. Us saved people, I hope. Us saved people in Bible-believing Baptist churches, I hope. But there's a few in there and too many that don't love Him like we should or isn't there. But the people to whom we minister is who we need to be concerned with. Number one, the Lord. Number two, the people that we minister to. But third, and specifically he mentions here in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 1, 
Let a man so account of us as of the ministers of Christ and stewards, and it gives it real specifically, of the mysteries of God. Dr. Ruckman, when he did teach these things and run the references and run through the mysteries that uh, we're entrusted with, so we'll do that real quick. The Bible says in 1 Timothy 3.16, And without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen of angels, preached unto the Gentiles, believed on in the world, received up into glory. All right, the first uh, mystery that we've been entrusted with that we need to take good care of, and we need to honor it, and we need to share it where it's appropriate, and there might be a time or two that we're in a situation where it is not becoming the gospel of God. There might be some times where some people are just being disrespectful and gross and probably don't need to be brought up. There have been times that I was out witnessing on the street trying to hand out gospel tracts and talk to people about the Lord and somebody was honest enough to tell me, look, bud, I've been drinking. And about the time he said it, it became obvious several ways. <laughs> that uh, he in fact had. He said, my mama taught me to respect the Bible and the Lord, and I don't need you to talk to me about this right now while I'm not even in my right mind to receive it. The Lord bless that guy. Amen. I appreciate that somebody had enough respect for what his mom had taught him and what, the, what he knew, the power that was behind the Lord, to where he had just been drinking, he had been engaged in God knows what, and he didn't think that was the time for it. Now don't misunderstand he may have been wrong. That may have been exactly the time he needed to hear it, but I don't know. Maybe he wasn't in his, in his right faculty of mind. But nevertheless, that was his feeling about it. There are certain times that you're in situations, and I've tried to witness that way before, where the people were just laughing and cussing, and all they were doing was wanting to make a mockery of what, what I was trying to get done. When you're a steward of something, you take good care of it. You make sure it's honored. You make sure it's available but also, it's not just stomped upon and wasted. Cast not your pearls before swine. So one of the mysteries, the first mystery that we'll cover is the incarnation. Jesus coming in the flesh. That verse, 1 Timothy 3.16 says, God was manifest in the flesh. Now how amazing, how confusing, as a little children's song went that I used to sing when I was a kid, that God became a man. How can that be? So he could be my perfect substitute. What a blessing. So the first steward, uh, mystery that we should be a good steward of is that Jesus Christ came in the flesh. All right, now here's another good one. Colossians 1.27 To whom God would make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. If it's not confusing enough that God came down in the body of a man... How much even more that he comes inside of me. The riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you. We sing that song sometimes, Christ liveth in me. Oh, what a salvation this, that Christ liveth yes. in me. Hey, Christian, next time you listen to some of the stuff you're listening to, remember, Christ is in you. 
Next time you're looking at some of the stuff you're looking at, remember Christ is in you. Next time you're in a place that you know you shouldn't be with some people that you know you shouldn't, and I mean you're not there to witness to them, you're into some other stuff, and ingesting some stuff that maybe you know you shouldn't, remember Christ is in you. We are bought with a price. We are not our own. God manifest in the flesh, mystery one. Christ indwelling us through the Holy Spirit. His Spirit dwells in us, mystery number two. Mystery number three, I'll turn to Ephesians chapter five and read this one to you. Ephesians chapter five, verse 30. For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother, and shall be joined unto his wife, and they too shall be one flesh. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. So the body of Christ is pictured by the marriage relationship. Amen. Christ and his church. That's why it's supposed to be permanent, because you know what? Christ and his church have a permanent relationship, don't they? That's correct. You are attacking one of the mysteries of the Word of God when you don't believe in that. We are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. And just as permanent as that is supposed to be, a man shall leave his father and mother and shall be joined unto his wife. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. So the body of Christ is a mystery. When you get saved, you come into the body of the Lord Jesus Christ. What a blessed thing. People need to understand as they get to know the Word of God and get to know us that Jesus came in the flesh. That the Holy Spirit of Jesus Christ indwells your body when you get saved. And when you get saved, you join up with a body that is Jesus Christ, and it's permanent. All right, uh, the next one, Romans eleven twenty five. For I would not, brethren, that ye should be ignorant of this mystery, lest ye should be wise in your own conceits, that blindness in part is happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles be come in. Most false doctrine is taking something in the Bible that was intended for the Jews under the Old Testament law or maybe in the tribulation or period or millennium and trying to apply it to somebody in the Gentile church age. That's today. true. That's most of your false doctrine. But here's the mystery that people need to understand to get, through, get away from most false doctrine. Blindness is, in part has happened unto Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles become here. That stuff in the Old Testament, it's all 100% true, and it's still coming true. But not right now. Is the Lord Jesus Christ over there on the throne of David, ruling and reigning from Jerusalem? Not yet. Are there a bunch of people trying to get joined up with the Jews right now? Well, I know there's a bunch of people persecuting them. There's a bunch of people, particularly in Eastern Europe and in uh, the Arab countries, that can't stand them. And a few people in other places that aren't that crazy about them. Blindness, in part, has happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles be coming. That'll help you understand a whole lot of things going on in the world stage. 
Help you understand that yes, that Old Testament is true, but it's not for today. It is not for right now. The incarnation of Jesus Christ, the indwelling of the Spirit of Christ, the body of Christ, the partial blind. But by the way, it says blindness in part has happened unto Israel. Don't you think that there aren't Jews getting saved? There are, Amen. There are, Amen. And there are plenty of them, and that's a real good ministry. And the Lord promises a special blessing to those who are a blessing to His people. That's right. You want to be a blessing? You want to get... You want to be a blessing to God and get blessings from God? One of the things you can do is be a blessing to the people that He loves. They're enemies for Christ's sake and they're the gospel's sake, I should say, but they're beloved for the Father's sake. What an interesting seeming contradiction that is. The blindness in part of Israel. All right, now here's one that uh, we can get excited about. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump. For the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. There is coming a time, and let it be tonight, or tomorrow at the very latest, when that trumpet sounds. And when that happens, the dead in Christ rise first, and we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. And when we're changed, I mean we're changed. Thank God. We get rid of this uh, sin nature and never have to sin against our Lord ever again. Won't ever happen again. You know how you get frustrated with some bad decisions you make and some oh, sins yeah. you fall into and some bad habits you get back into? Never have to worry about that again. That is over. The mystery of the rapture of the church, as we call it. The resurrection day, that great changing that we go through. Uh, it wouldn't hurt for people to know about that. The word needs to be spread on that. One of these days when it happens, it is going to shake things up. I promise you, we will make the 6 o'clock news. <laughs> there will be people talking about there will be no way in the world to hide it. Alright, so there's the mystery of the Resurrection uh, for us, our resurrection. All right, uh, here's another one that's coming up around that same time and has already begun a little bit. And 2 Thessalonians 2 says this, For the mystery of iniquity doth already work. Only he who now letteth will let until he be taken out of the way. And then shall that wicked be revealed, whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming. Right now, there's some mystery going on, and people have written big, long books about it, and the conspiracy theory, and getting together with the one world government. There are people I know that never talk about the Lord, and never talk about Christianity, and couldn't care less about the gospel, and never step inside of a church, but they can talk to you all day long about 666 and getting the one world government together and all that stuff. Now, how is that? Here's why. Because it's obvious to anybody watching these things that there are some forces in high places, getting, making some things fall in place, and you and I as Christians and Bible believers have the answer to this stuff. Yes. By the way, I'm, I don't know anything about it, haven't looked closely into it, but I'm hearing reports that governments are beginning to admit that they have come up with some craft that they don't know where the dumb things came from, and even some bodies that they don't know what those things are. You know what? That doesn't upset us Christians. No. 
It's all through the Bible. The going in the tops of the mulberry trees and the, and the weird beings that show up in Zechariah with the ephah and the stuff going on in Revelation and the stars falling and when they get down here it ain't exactly a regular star. It's somebody that's called a king. I mean, we know about these things. Me and you have the answers to a lot of the stuff that this world knows there's something going on with it but they don't know what it is. We get, we get hearing about some of these uh, supernatural beings showing up and they smell like sulfur and we know what that is. The old King James Bible calls it brimstone. Brimstone's in our Bible. If it smells like brimstone, I'm pretty sure it didn't come from heaven. Amen. I don't ever read brimstone being connected to heaven. The mystery of iniquity. We know about this stuff. We know about the getting this one world government together. We know who's going to lead the thing. Yes. The incarnation of Jesus Christ, the indwelling of the Spirit of Christ, the body of Christ in the saved people, the blindness of Israel that's in part, the rapture or resurrection of the saints, the mystery of iniquity. Now, here's one. Let's look at Revelation chapter 17. Revelation chapter 17, verse 5. Well, let's get verse 3 to get the context. When John is seeing some of his apocalyptic visions, it says in verse 3, So he carried me away in the Spirit into the wilderness, and I saw a woman sit upon a scarlet-colored beast, full of names of blasphemy, having seven heads and ten horses, a dirty, messed-up, unholy situation. Verse 4, And the woman was arrayed in purple and scarlet color and decked with gold and precious stones and pearls, having a golden cup in her hand, full of abominations and filthiness of her fornication. The Bible talks in another place about people, eyes full of adultery and that cannot cease from sin. It, it's gross in the end times. Verse 5, And upon her forehead was a name written, Mystery, there's our word, Babylon the Great, the mother of harlots and abominations of the earth. Now look at verse 18. This strange woman with all this filth connected to her, it says in verse 18, And the woman which thou sawest is that great city which reigneth over the kings of the earth. So what city was reigning over the kings of the earth at that time? Of course, Rome. There's some things we know and some stuff coming out of Rome we know, we know what it is. The old timers used to sing a hymn that's been lost over the years. I, I don't know if anybody still has the music to it, but at least we still have the words called Our Fathers Knew Thee, Rome of Old. <laughs> they knew about these things. Listen, you and I have some knowledge. You and I have some knowledge of some mysteries that we're entrusted with. Now, the first thing to do is not take one of these weird ones, one of these strange ones, and just start spitting everything we know up to somebody. We just look like a crazy conspiracy nut. Okay? First thing to do is talk about the fact that Jesus Christ came in human flesh on this earth. Everybody knows the Christmas story. 
But we've got, we've got some chick tracks back there that deal with the Christmas story and give the gospel real clear. That's a great place to start. Amen. Then when you get saved, you're indwelled with the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Christ. And then thank God you're be, being put into the body of Christ when you get saved. And the blindness of Israel is just in part as the Gentile church is assembled. And then one of these days we'll be raptured out of here and the mystery of iniquity that everybody's talked about all these years and all these conspiracy books and all this talk about the one world government and the Roman Empire and how great it was and the Chinese Empire and how great some of those have been and the Greeks before that and all this stuff that's been talked about. We know what's going on. We know what they're shooting for. We know what they're trying for. We know what they're a, a foreshadowing of or a foreshadowing of something that's coming. So the great subject of the labor of the ministers and the stewards is their Lord, number one. The people to whom they minister, number two. Number three, these mysteries that I just went over. And number four, you being faithful steward of them. If you've been given something like that, you're supposed to be doing something with it. I keep the books where I work. And man, is business up in Cookville, Tennessee. We are literally and actually doing, and I've said this for a year or so now, we are doing three and four times what we used to do in that place. If I take the books and I just leave them and don't ever look at them and don't worry about who's paid and who hadn't paid, those books would be in a mess real soon. Amen. You know what I have to do? If I want to be a faithful steward of our, our money and our debts and paying our expenses and things, I have to look at that stuff and I have to look at it often. Now, Christian, if you want to be a good steward of the mysteries of God, you need to look at these things. And you need to think about who needs them. And you need to pull them out. And you need to talk about them. And you need to bring up the Lord. And the fact that He came on this earth to die for sinners. That needs to be talked about. Alright, now tonight we talked about stewards and ministers of our Lord. Specifically in regard to His mysteries. Now especially those that are called to preach need to be taking care of this. And we need to responsibly, soberly think about it. But mature Christians who know these things well should also feel a responsibility about it. You know why? You know some things that get some people saved. You know some things that help people look at things the way the Word of God tells us to look at. But all Christians should love and appreciate the mysteries that God gives us in this Bible. All Christians should love and appreciate the ones that are out there trying to spread them and trying to be a steward of them. And all Christians should seek the company, first of their Lord, but secondly of other Christians that are involved in this. Now you can get saved and you can just go home and never do anything with it. And when you die, you'll go to heaven. But let me tell you what you won't have on the way. You won't have the joy that you'd have if you'd be busy for it. That's it true. won't be as rewarding of a Christian life if you stayed employed with it. It won't be... I, I don't know if the right word is fun. Or there will be fun times, but there will also be setbacks. But let me tell you something. There will be just as many setbacks sitting on your couch yes. as there will out doing the work of God. Oh, yeah. At least have the setbacks that you do suffer being doing something for Jesus Christ. Young men kind of like adventure. Who, who watches the action movies? Is that not mainly the men? <laughs> Let me tell you where you find some adventure. 
You find some adventure getting out there and doing something for the Lord Jesus Christ, young men. You will find some usefulness and you'll be fulfilling the purpose that the Lord has for you if you'll be a minister and a steward of the things He's entrusted to you. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank You for a chance to read and study Your Word. And I pray, Lord,